Good morning. Welcome to Lifebox Media Channel Radio Podcast. Taste my esteemed pleasure to have on a great friend of the show, musician, producer, Mike Mustard. How are you today? I'm doing good. Good afternoon. How you doing, man? How's things going over there? It's going. It's going good. <laughs> you keeping yourself busy, buddy, as always? You know, I'm never busy. I, I don't do anything. That's my, <laughs> my new thing. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah. That, that's why you get so damn much work done, right? I, I think it's just like like magical. Those things happen, you know. I do. I, I'm doing it um, telepathically. Right? You know, I think about it and then it happens. Right on. Hey, man, I need I need to sign up for that program. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> so, how you holding up with business and everything else since last time we talked? You know, everything is uh, really good. You know, um, the businesses are doing quite well, and the. Uh, you know, and of course, the, the music thing is, is going very well. We just released the two singles, um, one for the band in theory, and the other one with uh, Anisha Latimer. And um, we've been getting a lot of uh, coverage. And I was happy to say we, we hit number one in Australia with the hard rock band this week, I heard. And, uh, oh, congratulations. We got we, we, Australia's on our listing radar. So, man, big, big shout out to those down under, man. You know, that we got Australia and New Zealand on our charts. So, we definitely appreciate them. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, let's, let's get it let's get it down under, as we say. And um, yeah, and then with the uh, with the other project, um, our mutual friend Eric Dahl premiered um, two songs from In Theory and one from uh, with Lanisha last uh, Sunday on Fox and iHeartRadio, and then tomorrow um, the, the video premiere. Is on for um, the single I did with Lanisha, oh, and I think that's. That. Uh, so how'd that come about, buddy? Uh, which thing, the uh, the music or getting on the shows? <laughs> no, I, I know how to get on the show. Got um, but how did how did the uh, how did the music come about? Tell us a little bit about your music, man. Well, the, those two <laughs> projects are completely different. Um, I mean, it was, it was a long journey, and, and you know, basically, it spurred out of doing the. Um, the Go Go Tuner record was was the very first thing. You know, I, in a lot of ways, you know, I call it coming out of retirement. But I was, uh, you know, maybe that's a strong word. Um, you know, maybe taking a break is, is probably proper. Because um, every every time I say that, I'm thinking, you know, I took a break for X amount of years, and then when I'm when I get a chance to reflect on it, I'm like. Well, you know, I was still in about 20 movies and TV shows as far as, um, you know, writing music. Right. And and then the very last thing I, I did musically with, with Tony, um, Tony and I were working with um, Prince's producer and engineer who did Prince's last three records. And, but this entire time I'm thinking, yeah, not, but besides that, not really. Um, but it was a little bit of a journey, but about like four years ago is when I really... Um, wanted to pursue it harder, and it wasn't something I was expecting. And um, sort of like the coming out uh, phase was actually on Eric's show, Eric Dahl's show. Right. And um, you know, for that, I got to practice. I never, I don't even think I ever told Eric about this, but uh, I knew Eric's show was booked four months in advance. As, as you know, Eric, yeah. you know, you have to. You know, you have to uh, send smoke signals, and you have to, you know, you know, you have to, you have to send your guy to talk to his guy to the other guy, to the other guy, and and um, but um, hey, you told me I, I was worse. It, you told me I was worse. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, you're, you're, you're up there with our <laughs> And um, so what, what I did is is for almost four months straight, like, like you know, I mean, you know, I'm I'm pretty crazy with. Running my company, so as you know, I have four companies. So I'm, really, that was my my focus, not really the music. So I knew it was going to be on, on Eric's show, and if I was going to be seen as a musician again, I wanted to do it at, at a high level. Otherwise, I was not going to do it, and that that was very important to me. I didn't want to be like I didn't want to be the um, oh, it's kind of cute. We're letting the CEO play. Right, that, right, 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 right. You know that 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 was very important to me. I wanted to be respected by the musicians, and um, because at the end of the day, that's sort of my world. You know, I started quite young. Um, you know, and I was signed at one point. I just 
uh, wasn't going to make it and immerse myself in my company. So it doesn't mean I, um, it's not my world, so to speak. And um, anyway, so for four months straight, from about like midnight to about three or four in the morning, I, I just secretly just practiced and practiced and practiced so I could actually sound good for about 75 seconds on Eric's show. And that was my first coming out playing guitar again. And then after that, I started doing um, interviews with the, with the artists. And in my interviews, I would always end up playing at least uh, one song. Right. So that would, so again, that would always give me 30 days out. And that was sort of my, my thought process. You know, give me 30 days to practice one song. Like, yeah, I can, I can be good for one song, <laughs> as, as silly as that may sound. But it gave me a, enough time to prepare, and it gave me enough time to take it in steps and increments. It, it was not a big leap. I was taking it in steps, like baby steps. And, um, you know, I made sure, I, you know, I, I really did want to do it as well. And from that, um, I started getting invited to, to different events, you know, throughout the country to play guitar as a guest guitar player. And then the next step was after that was, I was like, you know what? I have a, a great company with, you know, I own a great company of all these artists. I want to do my own events. I started doing my own events. And then from there, um, I did something that was never done in our industry. I created a, uh, what they call a roster record. And it's never been, been done by, you know, the biggest brands in, in the world in the music retail business or music um, business. So um, I decided to make a record. And initially, honestly, I, I was just going to play, I, I was just going to play a little guitar here, a little guitar there. And, Hold on, um, excuse, me, excuse me, Mike. What is that? Explain, explain to our fans out there what a roster record is. The, the, the roster record is, there's, um, is, is the, the, the roster is the set of all your artists that are from your company, right. essentially. Or all my endorsees uh, and so forth. Um, so that, that's what a roster record is, but no one's ever put something collectively together with all the artists. They've done compilation records, but but not really necessarily a, a, a roster record. That's hard to and, believe, man. I mean, is that not, you know, I'm, you know, I've been around this game for a long time. Is it not crazy that record labels back in, especially back in the day, didn't do something like this? I, I do think it's crazy. I mean, especially some of the other you know, legendary companies. I mean, their their list of artists are, as you know, is quite um, you know oh, ridiculous deep, and, quite, and quite stout. Yeah, deep and stout, and you know, I'm sure they could have done. Uh, it could have been done, but I'm not sure why it wasn't done. Um, but here, here's, here's crazy Mike. I'm out there doing it. Um, you know, as you know, as I think you and I have spoken many times. If, if I get a thought in my mind to do something, I'm just, I'm, I'm going to make it happen. I'm right. going to do it. Um, I'm a very determined guy and, and, um, very goal oriented. And, um, so what happened, I started asking the artist, would you want to do this? I gave him the concept of what the record was going to be. And by the time we got to the eighth guy uh, or eighth artist, um, they go, well, do you want to write? And I was like, yeah, I think I want to write. That sounds good to me. And then I, from that, it took me into such a big role where um, my guitar playing took a bigger role or, or the biggest role of the record. And I took the producer hat. So I became the producer, co-writer, and guitar player. And for that record, I went all over the country and I recorded in um, L.A., Ventura, Phoenix, Mexico, Virginia, Nashville, Muscle Shoals, Philly, and New York. And I set a target date to get it done in one year. And uh, it took me one year and three days to get it done. And we had such a great response from the record that um, Tony Cavino, Tony's a singer for In Theory, and he was also the singer for um, the band Big Mouth when Tony and I were signed with the big hair, hair band days. And it does seem like um, it's logical to, you know, you know what, let's, let's revisit this. But we were very conscientious of we did not want to do what we did in the past. It had to be something new, something fresh, because I think we've, so many new influences have crept in our life, right, right. since we last played. And not just musically, you know, life experiences. A lot of things are shaping you. And 
you know, and we want to bring that in our music. So, uh, you know, for, so for in theory, there's a lot of depth lyrically, um, musically, production-wise, you know, same thing as well. If you ever listen to that music in a set of headphones, um, I can almost guarantee that you'll hear something different each time. And that's the approach I, I took with uh, also recording with, with uh, Lanisha, where I'm producing, you know, you take a little bit of Brian Wilson, George Martin, Roy Thomas Baker, little Dave Cobb, like, you know, and, and you take all these different producers. And, um, yeah, that, that's really the, the style I had from the producing standpoint. And I was putting in these um, on, on the newer stuff, you know, like 18-hour days or so, something like that. Right. Um, but yeah, and, and I think we were able to, to achieve that with, um, with in theory and also with the uh, music I with Lanisha and the funny thing is how I met Lanisha is she was actually a background singer on the go-go record for a, for a country blues artist. And when I heard her sing, I go, no, you need to be a star. So her and I wrote an R and B song and the funny thing, Charm. I never wrote an R&B song in my life, but I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna write an R&B song, <laughs> and th- and that's how that relationship formed. And again, we had such a great response that her and I, um, you know, until her and I have a great chemistry, a writing chemistry, and right. um, you know, and so we decided to take it further. So I brought her out to uh, to Muscle Shoals, and I brought on the recordings that I've done with her. I have all the like the original Swamper guys, like the guys that, you know when you talk about record with DJ Thomas. Right. Well, I'm talking about the, I'm talking about the guys that recorded with with Percy Sledge, Aretha Franklin, Linda Ronstadt. Uh, I, I mean, love that. I mean every. You know, I mean we have Clayton Ivy, David Hood, Justin Holder. Ah. Um, I mean all these guys they sold in between two to four hundred million records or so. I mean I love that. You know, they, do me a favor and Ellen, you know, you you're talking about a story and you, you it was a, of course it was a joke but in fun. You sit there and said, you know, said, you know, how many records have you have you done, you know? And somebody's like, Well I've got fifteen million or whatever I says, Oh, that's it? You know, tell me that story on air. <laughs> oh, uh, with the with the writer or, or Yeah, which, yeah, 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 with the writer. <laughs> oh yeah, so I, I um you know, during, during the pen, well, during the pandemic, and you know, I think you know my, my personal situation. So yeah, um, so I, you know, I was I was going out a little bit more um, solo. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> and um, but I'm very low key when it comes to certain things. So I like to have my um, I'm also a creature of habit, but I like to you know, um, there's several things, right? So um. As as you know, you're, you're a California guy as well, right? Or, or you're originally from California, or or from the East Coast. I'm originally a Texas boy, but I grew up on the East Coast. But you know, I have an office in Nashville and one in California. So, uh, you know, I, and then you and I have spoken about this. So the funny thing about it, again, I think you and I are very similar, similar but not similar. But when we walk into a room, yeah, you sort of notice who we are. We don't really. <laughs> um, you know, or the Sesame Street thing is, you know, like which one of these things don't belong here? You know, it, it's, <laughs> right. it's 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 right. It's like that that theme for me. Uh, the arrows are pointing right there. <laughs> and um, you know, and you know, and then here I am. I'm six, you know, six two, six three. I got a tan, you know, and, and I dress. Um, you know, not that necessarily I'm a fashionista, but you know, but I do have my wingtip shoes. I accessorize right. I wear my pinstripe jacket. I'm the I'm just one of those, you know, uh, I just put myself together. I, purpose, I present myself in, you know, in the way that, you, I don't know. You'd be pimping, dude. You know, uh, I'm, uh, right, <laughs> exactly. So so the funny story of, of this whole thing is um, I was out seeing a, um, at a restaurant and some acoustic band was playing and one of my artists um, was walking by and He's, he's at the bar and he's looking at me and I'm looking at him and he looks back and we just, and he's looking back and I'm almost getting like that New York vibe or, you know, or like, like, is there a problem here? Like, why do you keep looking back at me? <laughs> I'm getting, like, you know, I'm getting already like I'm riled up, you yeah, know. The and, heat's you know, coming, brother. <laughs> right, right. You, you, feel, you know, you know, you feel it inside. Like, what, what, are you trying to stare me down? 
And um, and the funny thing is, you know, especially you know, when the pandemic was really hitting at that point, and um, so the funny thing with Tim is, it's the first time I saw him in quite a while, it turns out he's one of my, he was one of my go-go artists. <laughs> and he had put on, and he had put on about thirty forty pounds, and he grew his beard. And apparently, he said I got even tanner from the last time he saw me. And, and of course, my hair was not to to the shoulders. And prior to that, um, you know, it was it was obviously a lot shorter. And um, so then he looks at me. He goes, "Go go, Mike." And I look at him like, "Oh, it's it's you know it's." I'm losing you, brother. I'm losing you. Wherever you're walking, I'm losing you. I'm losing your sound, brother. I'm losing the sound. It's like it's like you're playing a guitar in my ear. Hitting that bass. Hello? Can you hear me better than that? I still got some type of weird funkadelic sound there, man. You kind of giving me a new sound or what? You know? Um. Uh, yeah, I don't move at all. Um, pull, maybe pull the mic away or something. I don't know. I'm, I'm just getting. I'm getting like a beat every time you talk. I'm getting, getting like a bass, uh, bass drum. Come back down. No, I'm still losing you, brother. Well, we're record producer and musician Mike Bustard right now as we're trying to kind of fix some technical difficulties here, ladies and gentlemen. Are uh, you still with me, buddy? I'm still with you. Here's better. Man, no, man. It's just, it's kind of like you're talking into that tin cup of ours. Uh, no, sorry, my friend. Uh, no, sir. It's like I'm getting a bass play every time you talk. I'm getting a dan 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 dan. Should I play your back or call Yeah, I can, I'm, uh, we're gonna take one break quick. We're back here with Mike Wellstar right there, music producer and, and musician. We had a little bit of technical difficulty. So anyway, go ahead, buddy. <coughs> yeah, so the so the uh, the person that I met was uh, Craig Wayne Boyd, who's was one of the go-go artists. And uh, so we caught each we caught each other off guard. I think also I think it was out of context. <coughs> I think you know, I would never think about I would run into him in a small little bar in Muscle Shoals, and I think vice versa. Right. And um, so he was telling me about his, he put together a super group called Texas Hill, and he was explaining to me about the group, and he had some uh, writers out there um, on the outside deck, and he goes, just come outside, you know, come outside, and, you know, we'll, we'll talk for a bit. And sure enough, he didn't leave, and him and I just ended up, Having you know Jack Daniels, Jack Daniels and Steak for quite a bit, and then the writers came back in, and and one of his name, one guy, his name was Brian, and I think Brian has uh, a bunch of hits. But the way I was introduced was uh, Craig goes to him, and goes, yeah, Mike, you know, he's he's got a great company he's called Go Go, and by the way, he's you know, he's a great producer and, and guitarist, you know, and that's how I was introduced to this writer, and then the way I was introduced to the writer, he goes, Mike, this guy's like no joke. He has a bucket load of uh, number one hits, and uh, and I look at him. I go bucket load. I go well. What's a bucket load? <laughs> How big is a bucket? <laughs> right. He goes. Um, well, he has, he has. And the guy goes. Well, I have seven number one hits. And I go. Well, you know, that's not really a bucket. I mean, you know, <laughs> and I was just being an ass, you know. So I, <laughs> I guess not really a bucket. And then the next. Thing. He goes, well, tell Mike how many top 10 hits you have. He goes, I have about over 50. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and then that's how I met uh, Brian, the writer. And but from there, Brian turned out to be a great brother and, and a great friend. And, um, you know, and him, you know, we speak once a week. And, um, he, and you know, he's just, he's just a great guy. You know, he's from Nashville, really. Um, Extremely talented. I mean, obviously, he had to be pretty talented, but he's that guy you talk to him on the phone, and he'll write you a song like right on the phone. Like he'll hear me hum something, and I'll say a phrase, and then he'll write a whole song from start to finish. And um, and then you know, and then what I did with him again was um, actually I had him come in as a, a co-writer on the um, 
this first single I did with Lanisha, and I really think that that was, um, if you want to call it fate, or, I mean, the whole thing had to be, they, all these things had to line up, and right. it, it just seems like the dots always connect, and, um, you know, and Brian and I always talk about, yeah, we should write, you know, very, nothing non-committal, but yeah, we should write one of these days. And um, while I was recording with um, Alicia out in, in um, Ventura, California, um, we were trying to do a blues song, and it just and this wasn't it wasn't happening. And I said to her, "You know, it'll be you know what? Let's I'm, again. I didn't know honestly, even though he had all those hits, and I didn't know one song he's done. I never asked. I, he seemed like he was a very nice guy. Right. Most of our conversations are non-business. It's the sweetest." Like to uh, you know, just, just hang it, hang like two bros essentially. Right. And um, so I tell you, I, I met this. I'm telling you this story, and then I just told I, I met this writer. He's a really nice guy. I said maybe we should get him involved. You know, it'll be it'll be kind of a cool experience to maybe have him because this is what he does. And she goes, Yeah, that sounds good. Let let's do that. <laughs> and. Sure enough, you know, we, you know, we, we take pictures of uh, her and I in the studio and then the next day I go surfing and I, and, and it says, you know, like I, I put that up on Facebook. Here's Mike surfing. Here's Mike in the studio. That's what, that's why I make the joke where, you know, I don't really do anything. All I do is just smile in the studio and go surfing. And, um, so sure enough, I put up the, the picture of myself surfing and, Big studio. surf down there, big surf down there on Muscle Shoals. <laughs> right, right, right. There's a, there's a whole lot of surfing going on in the Tennessee River. And um, so I, I put up the post, and not even 20 minutes later, who's leaving comments on the post? It's that guy. And then he sends me a, sends me a private message. He goes, hey, when you're back in town, we should write. So I just took that as a sign that I happened to tell her about him, and then out of nowhere, he reached out to me and said, we should write. Right on. And then we brought him on, and, and um, yeah. So that, that that was that relationship. That, that, and, you know, it's really cool because, and I'll tell you what, I haven't had a chance to listen to Dance Alone yet. <clears throat> I haven't had a chance to listen to it yet. I know the the new video is coming out and stuff, and I'm looking forward to that. i got to check it out. Most times I'm ahead of this, but you and I, you know, both been our schedules of you going and surfing and uh, stuff and me running shows. It's kind of been, you know, we just haven't got up much. And, uh, you know, uh, but I definitely want to check it out and see how, you know, I'm, I'm sure it sounds great, man. And, and congratulations on, on getting it done because I know you've been, you've been putting this work in the studio and stuff and it's really a big deal that, uh, you know, to kind of get this stuff out there and, you know, and, 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 and showcase, you know, somebody who's been in the background like Lanisha and then all of a sudden now you put her in the forefront, like you said. Right. Right. I mean, she's done some, you know, she's worked with some really big names, you know. I mean, so, uh, you know, now... Yeah, now, she, she's worked with that guy, and he's done a little thing, a couple of things, like the Stevie Wonder guy. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, yeah. That kid's going to make it someday. <laughs> right. If he, if, he, if, he, if, he just, if he applies himself, he'll, he'll get there. Yeah, yeah, a little, good old, little Stevie. No, yeah, I mean, no, it, it's crazy, I mean, you know, to you know to work with those kind of legends, and then all of a sudden, you know, now, you know, to, to showcase. But a lot of people... I reiterate, you know, we're in the background. I mean, Cheryl Crow was a backup singer for many people for many sure. years, and then all of a sudden, boom, you know, now she's a superstar. Right, and and I, I also feel the same about, uh, you know, Tony Cavino. I mean, not that he, Tony was never a backup singer, but, um, you know, but we, we, we worked really hard to, you know, like uh, before starting this next version of, or this current version of the, of the theory, um, you know, I, I understand my relationship with Tony. You know, he, Tony is a brother to me on so many levels. Um, not only because we did music together, but Tony and I are always intertwined because the first, within the first six, seven months that we met, uh, both our brothers died. And so we're, we, we were unfortunately part of that club and it just made us close, like almost like from day one. Right. And um, anyway, so to bring him in, and I mean, I know this is his passion. He just wants to be a singer. And he said to me before we started, he goes, Mike, all I want to do before I die, before I die, I want to be known as a great singer. And I know how great Tony could be. And 
and I worked him so hard <laughs> where um, I think it tested the, the uh, our friendship, but but he knows it was it was never out of um, it was out of a mutual goal. It, was, it wasn't um, you know that's really what it was, and and I knew how great he could be. And if you listen to what we've done on the uh, Hero song and the uh, the single we just released called uh, the River Song, uh, I mean when all the radio stations are playing it. I mean, honestly, on the rock station, the very first remark is, who's that singer? And so I felt, again, as a producer, I, I've accomplished that. And then, of course, I mean, as much as I was pushing Tony, I mean, obviously, he had to do all the work right. to do it and be, and be receptive to, to my direction. But also by doing that, it pushed, like, okay, I got, I'm, I'm thinking to myself as I'm doing this, well, I've elevated Tony's game. Now I have to elevate my game. <laughs> you right. know, like, hey, what about me? I got, I, I got to play guitar. <laughs> and um, you know, and then of course, if you think about stuff, you know, I mean, we and we even brought Clayton in. You know, one of the Swamper, you know, Muscle Shoals Bane Gang, and he's on the in theory stuff. Nice. And same thing with um, we have two sets of drummers. We have the Muscle Shoals drummer, which we call the Kid, and. I think he's on 500 records and played from Chris Christopherson to Kevin Moe. And, and then the other drummer, his name is Andy Sinisi, and he's with Missing Persons and Frankie Valley. And so, again, all the, the you know, the, the people that are around us right. are, 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 are all amazing. So, you know, we, we have to elevate the game. There was, right. there was no choice but to elevate it. And, um, you know, it's yeah, kind of funny you sit there and you say, you, you say that, you know, and you're like, oh, this person's had seven number one hits. Some of us are happy to have had a song in the top 20 or two, you know. So others, right. others, you know, enjoy lots of those number one hits. And a couple of us are very happy that we entertained in the top 20. So I just want to enter, just, just remind you of that, buddy, that not everybody's had all those great number one hits. Some of us have been happy to crack the top 20. <laughs> you know? Right, right. You know, but anyway, but no, it, it's just, it's, no, it's really cool that, uh, that, uh, you know, you get, you're doing all this, this work and getting this great talent out. And, and like I said, congratulations to you and, and, you know, everybody you've put together on this because it's really cool, man. And you're getting this work out there. Hero was great. I mean, you know, and now you're coming out with this work and, uh, are we are we having a whole album put together here, or are we just still working on singles, we, or what are we doing? Yeah, well, there'll eventually be a record. Tony and I already have um, five songs that are complete, so we're, we're going to finish up another four, and then put out a record. And um, and then Lanisha and I have I think four done, if I'm not mistaken. So um, yeah, so there'll be, there'll be records for both. Nice. That that that's really cool. What do you what do you got coming up? There's a whole lot of studio work <laughs> at this point. Um, a, a whole lot. Uh, I'm going into my uh, my next phase of, of um, you know, what do you want to call it? Next phase of creativity. Where, um, you know, the funny thing, Charles, it's um, the funny, really it was like a funny thing this entire year, so it's only April, but I really felt that I wasn't writing enough. I, and there's a certain process that I go in certain method that only makes sense to me. And I really thought I only, I did like 10, 11 ideas. And I started going through my notebooks and I had all my ideas on the phone. And apparently I have about 60 ideas already, you know, that apparently I must have forgot about, but I'm looking at the dates when I'm recording this stuff. So, uh, yeah, so that, that, that's, now, like in my head, I'm like, okay, I'm ready to put the next phase on the, on the music, right? And and also give a push out to your GoGo Tuners company. Oh, absolutely! GoGo is, is on fire right now, and um, you know we did a major relaunch. It was last um, August or September, and um, it's been going really extremely well. Very very happy with what's going on with GoGo. Um, no, it's like I have no complaints on GoGo. It's just GoGo is GoGo, go, go going. Go-go um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's going extremely well. And then, um, yeah, and then, you know, I think the other thing, um, you know, I'm also a director of North America Sales for um, this company called Sawtooth Chromacast. 
and a uh, senior VP for a company called Savantech, which is this Chinese billionaire tech company. And um, that's keeping me quite busy. But, um, you know, I'm very proud of what we've been able to accomplish with the Sawtooth brand, you know, that um, they brought me on to create a dealer base in, in the United States. And, um, you know, in a matter of four or five months, you know, we're, I think, almost now in 35 states, so something like that. And we've been able to reset the bar on what the expectation is of, of a musical instrument. So, um, for instance, like a, a $200 guitar, typically you're expecting only X amount of quality. And, right. and that, that's been acceptable by the public, acceptable by our industry. But ours is always two notches up, whether it's a guitar, a bass, a drum, even even a gig bag. And because of the pandemic, there's a few things that happened from an economic standpoint. Because of the pandemic and the factory issues, uh, what's gone on in our in- industry, there's such a scarcity of guitar, believe it or not, scarcity of electric guitars, bass guitars, uh, electric guitars, I mean, um, microphone, you'd be, you'd be surprised what's going on in our industry. Um, I think it's the same thing that's going on in the housing industry and the same thing that's going on in the automotive industry at this point. Right. Um, so what happened is Q4, as I'm launching uh, that brand, um, all the major brands do not have any stock. But sure enough, we do. We, we, we rolled the dice March of last year and we just kept ordering and we kept our factories you know, if our factories wanted to close down, as the most of them, we, we said, no, we're, we're going to sell it. And we honestly, we didn't know if we were going to sell it. We were, we were confident we were. So when nobody had inventory, we had it. And when they're getting it, it's exceeding their expectations. So it's been, it's been very, uh, it's, it's been a great experience working with those guys. Well, it is and great that, to get. Excuse me, it is great to get, you know, you go out and I mean, everybody works hard for their dollar, you know, and whether you buy it for yourself or you buy it for your kids or your teenager or whatever, you know, not everybody can go out and afford to spend, you know, five grand on something or whatever. So if you get something and it's at a higher quality for a great price, and of course, you know, of course, everybody wants that kind of deal. But then if you also get it, I mean, everybody's trying to learn different things now, you know, to entertain themselves because everybody's been at home for so long. So, I mean, there's a lot of, I mean, whether it be gym equipment, whether it be musical equipment or whatever else, there's a lot of people have tried to, you know, entertain themselves or families or whatever. So I think it was a pretty smart bet, man. It it was definitely challenging, you know, I mean, because we had to convince them because they're looking, again, you have to look at at the situation globally because it's not just our industry, it's everything you're seeing at Walmart or, or Amazon or, or Best Buy, I mean, it's, it's the whole, the whole economy. Right. So a, a lot of factories were just showing, that's all you'll see a lot of their scarcity. Um, I, like I was just reading, um, first like yesterday, um, there's a scarcity in the automotive business as well, right. industry as well. And it's, um, it's the highest price you're going to pay now for, car it's been the highest since about five years six years and it rose almost 10 percent. you're paying 10 percent higher now for a car oh yeah and i mean house, without a doubt yeah. i mean you know i'm glad i bought mine last year and i uh, bought my new car last year and uh and uh so did my youngest son because i'll tell you what they said they were in october they were or august they were um selling cars they were flying off the lots and uh now i heard like you said it's getting shorter on uh inventory yeah, and and um, yeah, I, it's funny. I did the same thing. I bought a new car last uh, August, <laughs> so um, so yeah. Thank God I did that. But they're saying like the average new car now, the the payment is uh, seven over seven hundred, and for a used car, it's four hundred per month. Oof. And then um, and then the housing market, and, and I think throughout for a lot of parts of the United States, it's the same thing. Um, Again, there's there's a scarcity and the pricing is just going through the roof. Oh yeah, Nashville and, uh, Nashville had a deal of uh, you know somebody literally I just found out bought a two hundred fifty thousand dollar house and they paid two hundred eighty five thousand for it. They actually bid, outbid somebody else. I said I'll be damned if I'm going to go turn around. I'm going to beg to pay more. That will never happen. <laughs> that will never yeah, happen with the, this boy. I'll tell you that. You know, uh, but I'm yeah, not, I'm not yeah, spending two hundred fifty. Go ahead, buddy. Yeah, I, heard, 
I heard what they're saying now too is they're, they're just putting like three or four buyers in a room and you sort of have to slug it out. Right. And yeah, and um, I was I was talking to somebody yesterday in Tucson. And he's saying almost every quarter his house has gone up um, twenty thousand dollars each quarter for the last year. <laughs> yeah, man, I'm so, telling you, it's crazy. It, it, it is absolutely crazy. Now, Mike, where can everybody find you on social media? You can find me on on several several places. So you, obviously, you can always find me on the, the GoGo Tuners Facebook uh, and the GoGo Tuners Instagram. Um, and also, you can find me on the. In theory, has a um, Facebook page, and in theory, also has an Instagram page. And then you know, there's this miscellaneous stuff on my own uh, Facebook page where I do a little bit of a balance of, of both. Um, because there, I do wear many hats, right? So I, <laughs> I am the, as, as you know, so I, I, I am the, you know, the artist, guitar player, producer, writer on one aspect, but then I'm also, you know, I'm running three or four companies at the same time as well. So it, well, it all depends on what I'm doing. I'll put it in certain places, but for musically, uh, if you want to hear anything about the In Theory, you just go to the In Theory Facebook page or Instagram page. Um, and then the other stuff is always pretty much um, everything musically is on the Go-Go page. What do you go? Are, are you like the old Three Sugers thing? You run back and you change your hat and put the new hat on? <laughs> yeah. I, I call myself, I, I have the, uh, the Clark Kent syndrome. So, uh, like, for instance, like you and I are speaking now. So, like, right now I took my glasses off so I get to be Superman but after I speak with you I put my glasses on and then I'm Clark Kent again and uh, and then I have to go and, and do business deals <laughs> so and um, but yeah but that's pretty much like my day it, it, it actually it, it's kind of funny but that's my, my day to day is like that I'll do a couple of interviews and I have to get into in a way like artist mode or, or you know um whatever you want to call it, talent mode or, or, you know, you know what I'm saying? That right. other person. And then I have to go back and, okay, how are we going to forecast um, the next year on, on, on guitars and go-go and what's new, new, new product you know, development we got to do and we got to talk to the clients and negotiate with factories and a completely different animal, you know, but, um, but yeah, but it, it, you know what? I wouldn't have it any other way. I, I, I think I couldn't do it any other way. Um, I hear you on that, my friend. I'll tell you what, I, I made a joke, but it's true. But, you know, since you and I have become friends, you know, being introduced from our, 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 both our mutual friend, our dear friend, Eric Dull, you know, introduced us. You know, I've Muscle Shoals has jumped out at me so many times on TV, on interviews. Like you said, when I was talking to the legendary BJ Thomas, to many other people have come on the show. It's, oh, I'm going down to Muscle Shoals as soon as, you know, things open up or whatever else. I'm like... I never heard so many people bring it up in the last, you know, year or so as, as they have since you and I met. And it's like, wow, you know, and I, I'm pretty good on traveling and I just didn't have a clue. And now it's like just really cool that it's coming out there on TV, radio, and it's kind of like been a little silent. Everybody's known it except for me, I guess. Yeah. You know what? I, I, would, I, I have to say, honestly, myself as well, you know, I've been going back and forth here for five years. And for the first two years, I, I didn't really, you know, connect the, you know, the thing with the Swappers and the whole legend. I was like, I, I didn't really, I, I just wasn't really connecting with me. I'm like, right. yeah, it's kind of cool, you know, you know, it's, it's cool. Um, and then it wasn't until, um, like I said, I, I think I've been very blessed with, um, just like I keep saying the same word, by fate or by circumstances. Or, or by luck, or it's, it's created luck, however you want to perceive it. Um, I, I really think it's, there's so many things that, when you look back, like all the dots connect. But prior to that, um, I wish I could tell you I was the mastermind and made it connect that way. <laughs> and, um, but how I finally got introduced, I got introduced to, to the muscle show scene several different ways. And one was, um, I'm not sure if you know who um, Spooner, Spooner Oldham is. Yeah. Uh, and again, Spooner is the guy who actually created Aretha Franklin sound. I mean, it's it's in that Muscle Shoals documentary. She actually, if you're on YouTube, she credits him for making her sound. And he plays on A Man Loves a Woman. And, you know, he's another guy. I probably sold about 
three or four hundred million records or so, something something silly like that. Right. But um, but this but the, the so you have to understand. So the entire time is going back and forth. If you go here, you'll see billboards, you'll see shirts. This is you know what would Spooner do? And right away, uh, you know, I'm thinking like a marketing guy. I'm like, who is this guy? You know, he's a pretty good marketer because I see him. I see his shirts all over the place. I see his billboards. I know who this guy is, but apparently everybody seems to know who he is. Except for me. What a great mar- <laughs> right, except for me, but he's really good at marketing. Right. And um, so finally, no, everybody here just knew me as the, the, the business guy. No, Nobody knew if I played a... a, a one note of guitar. Right. And finally, there's a local guy, and I have to give him a shout out. His name is James Counts, and he owns the uh, one of the best music stores here. And I mean, he's known everybody from the Swampers and the Fang Gang since he was a little kid. And um, great businessman, not even amazing friend, but he's, he knows everybody, and everybody knows him. And he plays it in a local um, cover band. And, um, but but they are like the band to see when you're in Muscle Shoals for like an R and B cover band, and um, so one day he he invites me. He goes, Mike, you want to sit in with us? And usually, you know, I was like, Nah, you know, like I was always polite, like yeah, yeah, you know, or I'll, I'll go yes, yeah, sure, but I really had no intention of, of sitting in. And then one day he goes. Well, I'm playing this private event. It was, it was like a scene out of a movie. Um, it, I mean, it had to be something out of a movie. He says, well, I'm doing this private event. It's on a plantation in Tuscumbia. It's, it's exactly what you would think in a southern movie. It's a plantation in in the Tuscumbia, which is the next city over in the Shoals. And, um, and basically, at this thing, it was the elite of the Muscle Shoals music scene and the Nashville music scene. And producers, writers, and and, and and it's funny. He goes, and he asked me again, "Do you want to, you know, sit in with us?" And I go, "Yeah, I want to sit in." And he did, and he did something which I thought was honestly I would never do. Um, I said, "Well, you think I can bring my own rig? I'm just going to sit in for one song, but they let me bring my own rig." Just to sit in and jam with them. So, I honestly, if I was, if I had a band, I wouldn't let someone bring their own rig to sit in with me. Uh, you know, usually, you know, you borrow whatever's there. Right, right. And he, right, goes, right. And he goes, yeah. He goes, no problem. And so, the funny thing, they they're doing their set. They call me up, and um, and you're they bring up that say, guy. You're lucky to say, who's this jabron? <laughs> right. What's wrong with this guy? And um, and then they bring up that Spooner guy. Right, right, and they go, and and here's here was the funny thing. And they go, and um, we'd like to, um, you know, the telling the crowd, and we, you know, we like to introduce um, Paul Spooner to stage. Everybody's like, yeah, Spooner, you know, like yeah. And the next guy, oh, this guy here, he has uh, five number one hits. Everybody's, like, oh, yeah. Next guy, he has three Grammys. Like they're going through the whole list, Char. Right, <laughs> and then they get to me, and we got Mike. <laughs> and I have to tell you, I never laughed so hard. It was it was so friggin' funny to me. And um, but the guy was had like the gravelly like blues voice. Right. You know, he's a great singer. He goes, "Let me tell you something." He goes, "This ain't Mike. This is Big Mike." Everybody, say hello to Big Mike. And that's how I was introduced to the Muscle Shoals music scene. That and is awesome, brother. Right? And, and then the funny thing is, like I told you, like I always like to sit in the corner by, you know, by right. myself. And I was there with um, my girlfriend at the time, and we were in the corner table, furthest from the exit. And you have to understand, Spooner is a very, he's, he's a shy, very reserved guy. Rarely plays out, but he's just quiet. Extremely quiet and reserved. And again, I was furthest from the exit, and he comes to my table. And he goes, so you know, I'm Spooner, and I just really love the way you play. I just want to introduce myself to you. And the people at my table and the table over, I saw the reaction. And you know, my gal goes, you know, he doesn't do that for anybody. Oh, and, wow. And right, and here I am, ignorance is bliss, right? And I'm, 
I'm, I'm still right, and I'm going. Cool. The shirt guy likes me. <laughs> and so finally, it, it got to the point where it was. Can you just look him up on Google? And I look him up. I'm like, oh, oh shit. <laughs> that that's who Scooter is. And pretty good um, marketing guy, and not a bad musician either. You know, bless his heart. <laughs> right, right. And then, um, and then you know, I became friends with Spooner, and then I, I brought Tony down from Interior uh, to do a photo shoot. And I asked Spooner, "Hey, do you want to do this thing?" It was it was kind of a one-off uh, recording. I go, "I'm bringing in a, again just things that go through my mind." I go, "I'm going to bring in a rock singer. I'm going to bring in the cellist from the Alabama Orchestra." I'm going to do what I do. Do you want to play on it? And, um, yeah, and, and he loved it. He, you know, same, it was the same reaction as, as everybody else. He was, you know, like here, it's the same in Nashville. Like these guys, they, they call doing sessions with a smile. They do the session and they want to get out. Right. And, and I, you know, what was amazing to me is that, he left his family reunion early just to come and do my session. And then he stayed for about I don't know, four hours and he just wanted to talk and hang out with us. And That's really um, cool. he, he, he just loved it. And then when we got to do the in theory stuff uh, to play with Clayton, that, and that's a whole other story. And Clayton is the equivalent of Spooner. They're both keyboards. Uh-huh. Um, but Clayton down here is, is no joke. He's like, um, out of all, like the, if you will call, at least my perception of the Fame Gang and the Swampers, he's like the top of the top of those guys. Like his, right. how he writes, how he writes a chart is like legendary. His musicality is ridiculous. And then as I've done more research on him, I discovered that yeah, he was part of Motown and he produced the Temptations and Supremes and uh, on top of everything else, on top of you know. Uh, Percy Sledger and Rita Franklin and DJ Thomas and Toby Keith and all the other stuff that he's done. And, um, but the funny thing with him is when I, they brought him in to record, um, the engineer was like giving me a forewarning. He goes, you know, he's going to come in, you know, sort of like how people talk about Prince. He's going to come in, uh, you know, you know when they talk about Prince, they'll look him in the eye. Right. You know, you know this whole thing. He goes, he's just going to come to the live room. He's going to wear his mask. He's not going to really talk a lot. Um, and I'm like, okay, that, that's fine. I'm, I'm okay. You know, and sure enough, on cue, he shows up on time. Goes to the live room, and and I and I see him. He's working on the song. Um, and I'm seeing I'm seeing his mind at work. And I'm like, wow, this guy. It, it, you know his his talent level is, is kind of ridiculous. And, but what I really appreciated that he was so, um, you know, like he wanted to do such a great job. He wasn't there to be my friend. He was there to make great music. He's dedicated which, to And so he, he's doing his thing. And the funny thing, Char, he's yelling at the engineer and the assistant engineer, like, did I say punch me in the chorus? I say, punch me in the bridge. You're not punching me in right. How many times do I have to tell? Like, he's berating everybody in the room. And and I'm looking at it because at the end of the day, it's still my session. Right. And I'm looking at him. I'm looking at him. <laughs> and, and, I, and I assess the situation, right? So I hit the talk back buck, um, button. And, I, and again, he's aggressive and he's yelling at everybody. And I go, hey, Clay, you're really not aggressive enough. You really just need to be way more aggressive. <laughs> and, and and I go, and by the way, those spikes that you're hitting, you're dropping two or three notes. Right? And I just see the biggest grin on his face, and it, and I'll always be the first one to admit it, that honestly, I don't even know if he was dropping one note, zero notes. I have no idea. <laughs> you know? And, um, but, he, but he had such a smile on his face, then he comes out of the live room. And he comes up to me, and the very first thing he says to me, he goes, hey, Mike, thank you for letting me play real music. This was amazing. And then he took me to another room, and now the 16-year-old boy came out of him, where he was just like, let me tell you about my first Deep Purple concert. Let me tell you about this. Let me tell you about that. And he was just so excited. 
like he was comparing the music I was doing with Tony within theory to his um, early um, experiences of seeing Led Zeppelin and Deep Purple and, and all those bands. And he was like, like a kid, he was just so hyper and it was like a different guy. Right. And when I brought him in for the second session, and before I brought him in for the second session, I must add this, he sent me a text the very next day. And it was the same thing. Hey, thanks for letting me play again for real. Let me, thanks again for letting me play real music. We don't get to do this down here. And so that just blew me away. That I was like, oh, okay, we did something right. And then the next song, I brought him in again. Now this time, no mask. And he, we're, we're just, you know, chatting away for about 90 minutes, two hours before we even start. And then he goes in. And, but now the approach is different. Now I'm actually sitting next to him, literally five feet away from him in the live room. And we both have the headphones on and I'm sort of conducting him. I'm like, okay, no, do it like this. Do it like this. No, I like, like, I was a lot more hands on with him. And, um, just cause, you know, I have a vision for my music. Right. Um, not necessarily to micromanage, just that I had a vision in my, you know, for my music. And again, that he, he respected the process enough where he was like, cool, you hear this? Okay, you want something like this? Okay, got it. You know, something like that. But he was very, very extremely receptive to it. And then when we were done doing a session, um, it was a very big anthemic uh, chorus. And he, he's in the live room and he's singing on the top of his lungs, you know, like, well, you're here. I mean, he's singing and, you know, like, I really like on the top of his lungs. I'm like, wow. Like, so I, I go, you know, I must have done something right to move this guy. Right. All right. And then when I brought him in to do the um, sessions with Lanisha, now, again, he was uh, the same thing, same process. I was about five feet away from him and I'm going through the things, telling him what I want. And he's listening to the playback and this time I was, I captured the video and he's just like grinning from ear to ear, but he had such a smile and he's singing the chorus. When you hear that song dance alone, you'll, you'll, you'll know what I mean. It's, it's a very catchy pop song and he's just singing and he's playing air piano <clears throat> again, like the little kid comes out. Right. He's all proud of it. It, it, it was just kind of funny to watch him play air piano. It's like, uh, you know, you see him do that and he's just singing and singing and, um, but again, I think, and, and that was the experience I got playing with, you know, we also had David Hood, who's the original Swamper, and Justin, I brought in what they call um, Shoal Sister, and she's another one, there's two Shoal Sisters, and she's um, saying, like, with Linda Ronstadt, and Paul Simon, and, you know, guys, you know, guys like that, right. <laughs> you know, and, but the reaction from every single one was, like, was, we thank you for having us on this. We don't get to do this down here. And meaning, I think when people hire these folks out, typically people are here to get that muscle shoal sound. They they have that magic sound, right? Like if you go to Motown, it has a sound. Right. You know, there's, there's certain areas in the country, certain players, you're hiring them for that specific sound. And, you know, of course, you know, muscle shoals has an, a specific R&B sound that, legendary from the 60s on and I told him I said no take take the muscle shoals out of you I want you not necessarily muscle shoals of course the muscle shoals is embedded in, in them of course right but but I was telling him no take it out just and like let it go and um you want them wide open you they, want them wide open yeah and, and I think they appreciate that and, and again to have say like a Clayton who's Typically doing um, country R and B, um, you know, you know that type of stuff. So maybe you might call it, you know, Americana. To have him playing on heavy metal tracks with the with the Hammond B three, like like a Deep Purple. I mean, he of course he never gets to do that, and no one would no one would expect that out of him, you know, or or hire him to do that type of music. So right. I think he was he was he was jumping out of his seat. I swear to God. If, if there was, I thought planes were going to come out of that Hammond B3 speaker. I mean, he was just, he was hitting that thing so hard. And, 
And the same thing with the drummer, the local drummer here, Justin. And I mean, he's the first call for any session here. He's the least at least 500 records or more. Jeez. And, and, and the same thing, I just let him loose. I go, just go for it. And a lot of times it caught people off guard. They're like, like, really? Like, yeah, go for it. And it, it, it caught a lot of people off guard. But I think they, they're so used to being confined or expected to do a certain thing and provide a certain sound. Right. Now let me ask you a question. And, we only have a few minutes left, my friend here, and I'm sorry to be cutting you short. Just be, you know, you'll come back yeah, on no again, problem. right? Of course. I'll, I'll come on tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> um, now let me ask oh, I'm not, I'm not as deeply booked as our, our, our buddy Eric, you know. I'm three and a half <laughs> weeks out or a month. Eric's got me, you know, by like three months, you know. But, um, right, right. You know, <clears throat> and and Eric knows I say that with love, and you, I know you do too, because I love Eric to death. You know, um, uh, one of my dearest best friends. Um, you know, here's the thing. Now I'm gonna play a little game with you real quick, and sit there and see what you say and the answers. We're kind of throwing this in there. It's a little bit of fun for uh, you know our fans are you know around in our all fifty countries now. Thank you. We just welcomed you know Spain and Egypt to make it at even fifty countries. So we appreciate that. Um, but let me ask you a question. Okay, simple. Read off, spin off questions. One steak or lobster? A steak. Okay. Horror or comedy? What was the first word? Horror or comedy? Oh, comedy. Okay. Dinner and dancing or a movie? I would do a movie. Cool. Rock or country? Rock. <laughs> that was a hard question right there. That was a hard question. <laughs> um, you know, um, a cool night out on the beach or a cabin? Oh, a beach. Nice, nice, nice. You, you're know. talking to the surfing guy. You're talking to the surfing dude. <laughs> right. I figured that, you know, as much. Now, um, as far as the fact of, you know, give us where we can find your two singles that just come out. Tell us where we can find these. Yeah, I would look on, I mean, we're on, we're on, while we're on all visual platforms, I would look at um, Spotify. We're on Spotify. We're on iTunes. We're on Google Play. We're on give Amazon. Us the titles the, any, do you give us the titles and the, and, the, and the leads on them, please. Yeah. So for, in theory, we have two singles out right now. One is called Heroes. And the one that we just released the, the video for is called The, uh, the River Song. And for the song I'm doing, Lanisha, that song is called Dance Alone. And same thing, um, all three songs are on every digital platform, but look at Amazon, look on uh, I, you know, Apple, iTunes. Um, Everything that we're we, on we are on, there. Right. We, we, we are there, but you know, those are the four main platforms. And we, we encourage people to actually, um, to, to actually really like download it and keep it, not to stream it. <laughs> so, right, right, yes, please. Uh, um, you know, and, and we, we did, I did put links, and or we did put links on, you know, our pages, so, you know, people can actually hear the sample of the song on our Facebook page, and if you click on that player, it'll take you to iTunes, where you can hear the full song, you can download it, but if you want to buy it, it gives you the option to buy it as well, so, um, yeah, we, we definitely encourage that to, Support support the arts. Absolutely, without a doubt on that. Man, it has been, again, it's always a pleasure having you on, my friend. You know, and, and nice to see you sitting up with your feet doing nothing down there in Muscle Shoals. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you really need to start getting to work, brother. <laughs> you know, one of these days, I, I have to do it. I, you know. You know, it's, it's, some of us have to keep busy all the time, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> It's 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 funny. People that know me, it's such a running joke, you know. That um, it's such a running joke. They're like, "When are you gonna do something? Like, why why do you just you always just do nothing?" Right, exactly. <laughs> you know? I mean, come on, brother. You know, not not all of us can sit around and just you know let everything happen by itself like you can. You know. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, man. No, thank you so much for coming on, pal. It's been a, a pleasure no, as I, always. I appreciate you making the time and and. Um, you know, thanks for the friendship. Thanks for letting me on the show. And, um, you know, I, I don't, you know, I don't know how much to thank you on that on so many levels, you know, not only for your show, but your friendship outside the show. Um, you know, so uh, Likewise as well, you know, my big, friend. A big, thanks, as well. a big thanks to you. 
<clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen, music producer, man, he's a musician. Mike Mostert, you can go check him out on all social media out there, man. Check out the hits and everything. He just said Dance Alone. Check out all those songs he just covered on it. And trust me, you will not be disappointed. Lifebox Media Channel Radio Podcast, we are out.